welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine. I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we welcome you all back. Thank you so much for tuning back in for this Faith to Go conversation about the gospel for the week uh, leading up to September 19th, 2021 a.k.a. Proper 20. We're in the ninth chapter of Mark this week. And uh, we're so thankful for everybody for joining us. Charlotte, what's up? How you doing? Tell the people. I just can't wrap my head around the fact that we're recording for the sec. well, actually the final third of September. How is that possible? I have no idea. How is it possible that we are doing the gospel for September 19th, David? I don't know. It feels impossible. But then I, I think back and I did do things on all the days that have <laughs> happened. Do you have a clear recollection of them? Because a good, more, a good majority of this month has been a blur for yeah. me. <laughs> I think mostly it's a blur. But, you know, there are some, there are some, uh, some moments that there are clear in my mind. Maybe like three. Speaking yeah. of moments that are clear in my mind, I want to yes. share a place where I saw... God this past week because it's my turn and I am diligent and committed (laughs) to being on the where I saw God Rhoda Uh, Mm -hmm. and I saw God and felt God this past week it was actually on Monday morning a couple days ago this past uh, let's see last week George was off of school all week he's our three-year-old son George Um, and he it was like he's in preschool he was transitioning from the like two-year-old class that he started in last year and then was in all this year into the three-year-old class um aka the dolphins shout out to saint andrews by the sea preschool um and so the monday was like his last day off uh, on labor day before um school and we had our like a regular childcare that we have on Monday or nanny came. And so I took George out to breakfast just for fun. Just the two of us. Yeah. And then we went to the park and um, he, yeah, it was just like, it was, it was so, it was so nice. Like just to spend time with George, just the two of us and like, you know, sit there at the breakfast table and and have our food and we went home and he drove he rode his bike all the way to the park which he'd never done before and he was very proud of himself and it was just like such a good morning and i like i he went down and took his afternoon nap for like right around twelve thirty or 1 and i don't know like i just had this deep sense of peacefulness like a joyful mm-hmm. kind of peacefulness and calm um, that I really honestly don't feel that often. <laughs> and yeah. it was like, it was definitely like the feeling of God's movement of like that kind of, that kind of time set aside to like deeply connect and just, cause it, it just doesn't happen that much, especially with a, with a baby around, you know, with an eight month old, like there's just so much going on. And both of us work, Marilyn and I both like working and in school and, um, so it was like, it was just so, it was so kind of grounding and centering and I just love, loved that time. So that was where I felt God moving in my, 
in my life this week? Well, and David, it's such an important reminder of God's presence is always with us, right? Like, and we always comment on this, that we, it's more a question of the noticing than it is that God is absent. Um, It's that sometimes we just fail to notice. But in those moments where we feel connected to each other, that's a very visible and real God sighting for us and a way to notice God at work. But also what you named in that was that it was time set apart. Mm -hmm. And particularly when the seasons of life get busy and life is really busy for parents of toddlers and babies, let's just own that. Mm. Um, But when we are able to set some time apart and to get quiet, that is when we are most able, not just to connect to each other, but also able to connect to God. And so we would love to hear where you saw God this past week or felt God's presence, maybe felt that deep sense of peace or joy, however you want to name God or think about God or uh, conceptualize God's movement. Uh, We would love to hear from you about that. Any questions or comments you have about the discussion we're about to have about the gospel, uh, any of your reflections and think or things you would like to share with us that came up, you can email us faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org, or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faith2go. You can direct message us. You can tag us in a post, and uh, we'll share whatever communications you send to us on the podcast Mm -hmm. next week. And so uh, we're going to get into the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, again, September 19th, proper 20. Charlotte's going to read it, and then we're each going to share a point. I'll also share just like a tiny bit of context just so we know where we are. And the gospel for this Sunday is Mark 9, 30 through 37. Jesus and his disciples passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another over who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. All righty. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, This beginning of this might sound a little familiar because it's kind of what we heard. Was it last week that Jesus, that Peter rebukes Jesus uh, for saying Mm -hmm. the same thing? So last week we were in chapter 8, the very end of chapter 8. This is the end of chapter 9. So what we skipped was kind of the beginning of and middle of chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 30, because it starts at, at verse 30. And so what's happened between that last story where Jesus foretells his suffering and death and resurrection and this story is the transfiguration in Mark's gospel, mm-hmm. uh, where Jesus goes with Peter, James, and John up onto a mountain and is transfigured and Moses and Elijah are there. And, uh, and then Jesus goes down the mountain with them heals a boy with a, with a spirit, and then this is this story. So the only thing that's like that's different, it, it's, it still seems they don't really get it. 
Um, they don't really understand. They don't understand what he is saying and are afraid to ask him. <laughs> I don't know why they're afraid to ask him. <laughs> Maybe because this is the like second or third time he's told them. Uh, and they're like, God, we really can't ask him about this thing again. He's going to be so upset. Um, uh, it's just that like, I think they've had like, they've had this kind of like m- crazy mystical experience up on this mountain. And then now they have this, like now they have this even deeper idea of this, like the depth of Jesus's identity, you know? And I think it's still, I, I would imagine for me, that it would be even harder to conceive that this guy that just like was transfigured on this mountain that did this m- incredible mystical thing could would be on his way to suffering and dying by human hands it's like well obviously this person has transcended that 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 outcome and jesus is like no this this is what's going to happen uh and so i think i think there's something really significant about that i think we could talk more about that but we're we need to get into the gospel for today um but just something to keep in mind and one other thing that just keeps coming to me as we are reading through Mark this time that I, I don't know, I've never really, it's not that I haven't noticed it before, but I guess I haven't. I haven't really noticed it to this degree before, just like how much time Jesus spends in Galilee. I think I think about Jesus just like being in Jerusalem, you know, but Jesus and Mark's gospel doesn't go to Jerusalem until like, I don't know, chapter like 12 or 13, like almost the last, you know, three chapters of the gospel. It's, it's just for the Passover. And so he just spends, it's just, I just always think, I just connect Jesus geographically to the area of Jerusalem, but really he spends all of his time, all of his healing time, uh, so much of his mm-hmm. teaching time uh, in the region of Galilee and the region north of Galilee, you know, in those, like we've been, right. like we talked about a few weeks ago. So it's just so interesting to, to think like we, like I at least connected so much to to Jerusalem, to the big, that big city. And Jesus is so much about this like smaller rural hometown area of his, you know, he's like so local, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's just something, something to, to think about. Cause again, this one starts out, they went on there and passed through Galilee. They're still there, you know? Uh, so anyway, I think uh, I have the first point. So I'm just going to keep sure. going. Just like last week. Just going to keep it. talking. <laughs> okay. You know what? That's the best, David. The uh, best. Yeah. That's when I keep talking. Okay. Tell us your point. So I'm jumping to the end of the gospel. You know, the second half of this gospel about who is the greatest. And I am, I am struck by, well, I think I just appreciate, I just, I appreciate the disciples for this argument that they're having. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I feel like my own, I have, I feel like I, I connect with this just as a human being because so much as of my desire is to be, even if it's unconscious or very conscious, uh, to be the best, you know, I just like, there's some comfort like in being the one that's the best at something. And, mm-hmm. and I think that is, I think that it's kind of cool that Jesus is pushing back against that because I think for me, I grew up. And I think many of us grew up and I think this is a product of, I think it's being human, but I think it's also really reinforced by Western culture, especially by American culture, that kind of American exceptionalism, um, uh, that kind of superiority and, and really like being dominant, being the greatest, being superior as the end goal of our pursuits, 
you know, like, don't do anything if you're not going to be the greatest. This is like Ricky Bobby. If you ain't first, you're last. And it's, and I, I think that there is, that is, I believe that is a total lie <laughs> that we tell ourselves. I think it creates that kind of black and white binary that we see in any kind of culture of supremacy. And I mm-hmm. see the disciples reflecting that even after spending, you know, such a long time with Jesus, you know, Jesus is like clearly reaching out to people who are not superior, who are not the dominant people who don't have all the power, people who are blind, who are deaf, who have some sort of physical ailment, some sort of spiritual ailment, uh, people who are outside of his culture, people who have been oppressed. Um, and so it's just, it's like amazing how ingrained uh, supremacy is culturally. And even for this this group of people, for the disciples, who are the ones who have been suppressed by a dominant culture, been oppressed by a dominant culture. Um in in Rome so I'm just thinking about that and I'm just thinking about how like what I what I read here is like Jesus is ongoing I think about Jesus Jesus is always teaching right and I'm thinking like Jesus is like educating the disciples so they understand who he is so they can like go out and share his message and I'm I look at this and I realize like how much Jesus is also like trying to re-educate the disciples in a new like way of thinking about and seeing the world. And Jesus is saying here, and he's, and he does this amazing thing where he like uses this, this real person, this child, um, as his like example of how to be the greatest. They're saying how how I want to, I am the greatest. I I would love to know what they said on the way, um, how they argued about this. Like I'm Jesus's favorite or, I <laughs> talked to the most people when we were sent out or whatever. Um, or I get it the most. Like I understand the most. I connect with that one just as a person that like deeply wants to like know things, understand things. That's how I feel secure uh, in my, you know, in, in my, uh, in my like desire to be great at something. Um, and Jesus says, Oh, you, this is, this is the thing you have to understand. Is that whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And that's not about like degrading yourself. And and so what and so what he says is like that's about like genuine humility. And then he uses a child, this person, as an example of what that actually looks like. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And what does that mean? It means and in this child, Jesus is Jesus is is taking a child, which is the Like there is no human that has less power in the world at this moment in time than this child, than any child. They have no rights to any land. They can't defend themselves. They're completely vulnerable in every way. Still true today, but there are like actual like laws that protect children now. This was not true then. And so Jesus takes the person with the least amount of power in the world and he says you know what it means to be to be least last of all and servant of all is to use your power whatever power you have to create space in this world in this community for the person who has the the least power the least Mm -hmm. amount of power 
It's and that and to and that means that you're recognizing that that the power or lack of power does not mean anything in terms of a person's worth or dignity. Because this child means just as much to God as you, as Caesar, as anybody. And so we welcome we welcome this person with the least power. And we don't just say, hey, you can be here, but like we'll make space for you. And we will we will change to be what we need what you need us to be. So I just I love how Jesus ref, is reframing all the time uh, what it means to be powerful, what it means to be great, and trying to break down and dismantle that idea of superiority and dominance and supremacy being the end goal of our of human pursuit. Yeah, well, and I mean, part of me wants to make light and say that very much this section for me, this whole section that we've been going through could be busted by Jesus in various themes, right? right. Um, that Jesus is continually busting the disciples. They get these preformed ideas and things that they think are important, like who is the most important. And Jesus is like, eh, wrong again. Uh, and it just happens over and over again in this section. But really, even though I can see the humor in that because I enjoy some humor, I also love the, I love Jesus as the teacher. Jesus is a lot of different things. He is a table flipper. He is a healer. He is all of these things, but I love Jesus as the teacher. And maybe it's partially because I work with children because of the ability to continually reframe things. Um, this is not a new concept that Jesus is illustrating with the disciples here right now, but he's reframing it again. And I mean, part of me likes to picture that Jesus, did Jesus just step out of the room for a minute of the house that they were in and be like, excuse me, I need to borrow your two-year-old and <laughs> bring the two-year-old back and sit it in the middle of the disciples. Like, here's my teaching tool for today. Here's this child, right? Um, but truly, that is a little bit of what happens exactly in this moment is that Jesus, again, creates accessibility and opportunity for not just learning, but deep understanding. And I think that that transitions to my point as well, which is what it means to welcome a child. Because as David said, it's not just about welcoming. He also named the fact that it's creating space. But I think it's a couple of other things too. Um, we have to be willing to passionately advocate for the person with the least power. It's not just saying, oh, you're welcome here, or I've created space for you. It has to be naming the ways in which we are not meeting the needs of the least served community. Particularly for me, children, what does it mean to welcome, include, support, engage, lift up, connect with children? And that doesn't mean making children fit into all of the same old molds that have existed for the last 50 years. And it doesn't mean making children and youth only connect separately. Providing them with separate opportunities is definitely a ministry opportunity, um, but reshaping our worship, our lives, our ministries to be fully inclusive places for marginalized groups, children being counted among those, but others as well, um, is the way that, that Jesus 
reteaches us over and over again, what does it mean to serve these communities? What does it mean to create space for these communities? And how are you advocating for that to happen? How are you changing the narrative, creating a new program, changing the shape of what has always been to create a space that truly serves this community? I don't think that we can welcome people unless we are also willing to create room for them and therefore to also advocate for them because people feel their worth when you stand up for them. If you only sit and think that it's important and you never say that it's important, then how is anything ever going to change? That's a piece of it. And the other piece of it is that when we welcome, include, support, engage, and advocate for these marginalized groups, for these underrepresented groups, for these children, then we are also creating space for God. And that's the piece that I think that sometimes we forget, that God isn't about the ranking system. God isn't about the argument as to who is the greatest um, or making ourselves least or being willing to humble ourselves. It's God is about all of it, all of it, and everybody being included and that we are all made in God's image and that there is room for each of us in the kingdom of heaven and that we are called to create that space, each of us in our own way. And I really resonate with that personally on a personal level, because it's hard to speak up and it's hard to say it over and over again. Like this gift of Jesus of the constant teaching and reframing is a gift to me today because we don't get to quit. We don't get to decide it's too hard and nobody's ever going to get it for the things that really mattered for making space in the kingdom for all of us then we have to constantly work to reframe it and to engage and to create space for everyone. And like you said, when, when we welcome these, you know, the, the least, the, the least powerful make create space, engage and all those things you said, that is when we're welcoming God. I'd love that idea that like to the opposite of that then means that when we are, when we are engaged in our own uh, striving for supremacy and domination, when we are, excluding and consolidating power, then that is when we really are furthest away from God. That's when Jesus is not there. That's when Jesus is standing outside being like, when are you going to, when, when are you going to let me in and do something different uh, and just stop recreating this supremacy culture uh, that is so destructive uh, because that's, that's not the kingdom of heaven. And, and I love that. I love that idea that like there is something there is there is something of God when we are changing the very kind of texture and fabric of our communities to reflect more deeply the diversity of people that are in them instead of expecting people to acquiesce to a dominant culture and um mm-hmm. And I think that is really important as we move forward in any of the work of social justice or anti-racism or decolonization that we that we desire to do in our communities and in our churches or in our institutions of any kind. So, well, and sometimes that also means that the people that have the power have to be poked at a little bit 
And it's easy enough, or maybe it's hard enough, I don't know which the right phrase is there, when it's our own power, and when we're trying to affect change, to name that and to change it ourselves. I get to choose that. But sometimes there are groups in place that have to be poked and prodded a little bit, because we can't always say that this is the status quo and this is how it's always been. And so we can't affect this change that creates a more inclusive vision of God's kingdom because we can't affect these, pe- affect these people who have always had this amount of power. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's our two points for today. Good place to stop. Uh, number one point. First point was mine. And uh, it was about uh, Jesus pushing back against the disciples' uh, argument about who was superior in the group, who was the best, and using this example of welcoming the child, welcoming those with the, with the least amount of power culturally uh, and creating space for them in community. And Charlotte's jumped off of that with, her, with the second point, uh, which was about how we, how we intentionally do that with children and youth in our churches and our communities today and uh, for all people that uh, hold less power than we, than we do. And how we can not just make space, but but change and be transformed um, by the people that we're welcoming in and become something new along the way. So uh, having heard those two points, uh, we would love to hear your third point uh, this week. What would you add to our discussion? What jumped out to you? Do you have any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection or a place where you saw God this past week? You can send us any and all of those, uh, faith2go at edsd.org. That's our email address. You can contact us through the website, myfaith2go.org. Or you can follow us on uh, Instagram or direct message us on Instagram or tag us on Instagram at faith2go with your question, comment, or story. So thank you all for joining us for this week leading up to September 19th, proper 20. We'll be back next week with proper 21, the last Sunday in September. What? And until then, we say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.